in the middle of a series, our second uh, installment actually, the series we're calling You Win, because God did not set you up to lose, amen? He did not establish you to be defeated. On the contrary, you are actually more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Uh, we have a couple of different foundational verses. One of them I wanted to put on the screen, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, in the New English translation says, Do you not know that all the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? And this last sentence is really what I want to hit. So run to win. Everybody say, run to win. You ought to get up in the morning believing God for victory. You ought to get up in the morning believing God for success. You ought to get up in the morning uh, believing God that today's the day that you're going to press towards the mark, uh, that you're not going to grow weary, that you're not going to get blown to and from, that the winds of life and the winds of this world are not going to uh, position you in an adverse way or an adverse uh, condition that somehow separates you uh, from God. Uh, but also... Uh, we have another scripture I want to point out, 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. It ties very closely. Uh, so uh, literally, Paul says in one place, he goes, run to win, meaning I want you to have the victory. But then in, in, in the next book, in the second chapter, verse 14 says, now, everybody say now. now. Now thanks be unto God, which always, everybody say always, always. causes us to triumph in Christ. If he wants us to run to win, and Jesus always causes us to triumph, can I just say it differently? I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care what the situation is. Before the final chapter of your book is written, you win in Jesus' name. Which means, uh, as Christians, we... We have a lot of opportunities to look one way or, or to look the other and to try to decide what we're going uh, to hang our hat on or what we're not going to hang our hat on. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have to get to the place where we recognize God has destined you to win. It is your destiny to be successful. If you don't like that, you should have served a God that wasn't as good and glorious as the great I Am who created everything that ever is and ever was. You and me, we got to get to the point where we recognize that God is not just there, which means we believe that He exists, but He is also the rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. So if we're going to serve Him, and raise your hand if you're going to serve Him, me too, we are going to, if we're going to serve Him, then bless God, we are going to benefit from the rewards of serving Him. You say, well, I haven't done enough uh, that I should be rewarded. That's correct. And before you get to heaven, you will not have done enough. It is because of one man and one man alone. His name is Jesus Christ. And He paid every situation off for you. He paid every one of your debts. He changed your entire destiny. He changed your DNA so that when the great God of heaven, His Father, looks down at you, He does not see your faults. He does not see your failures. He does not see your shortcomings. He does not see your issues. Uh, when, when a sickness tries to come on your body, it is breaking the law of God in the name of Jesus because by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. 
which means the healing that has already been purchased for you belongs to you and there will be a season when it will manifest in your life in the name of Jesus, our job, our responsibility and probably better said our opportunity is to continue to believe God that we are going to win in every circumstance in Jesus' name. Even when it looks like you are not winning, you are winning. Even when it seems like you, are, you have your back up against the wall, either God's going to propel you in the other direction or He will cause that wall to crumble at your feet, but you are going to be victorious before this thing's over. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, which means that whatever he said in his Bible is true. The Bible says the word of God uh, will not return void. It will not be put out and then nothing happen. It will not be spoken and nothing happen. So again, our job or our opportunity is to speak the word of God over our situation to speak the Word of God over our health, over our finances, over our relationships. Now listen, I don't know why I'm getting this real strong, but if you're about to be married, if you're, if you're thinking about being married, listen, don't you believe all the nonsense that marriage is not wonderful? Don't you believe that it's all hard and it's not hard to be married? Let me tell you something. It's the greatest thing in the world to be married. And, and, and you, don't, you don't get to a place in God where He provides for you a spouse and a, me, and, and, a, and a mate so you can be miserable. That's not Him at all. But if you believe that, the Bible says that we are the substance, we are literally the, the product of what we believe. In other words, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're going into marriage and think, well, all marriages are hard, all marriages... Listen, no, all marriages are not hard. All marriages are not difficult. Amen. Come on, hold hands with your spouse or, your, or, or if, if you're married to him, just say, in Jesus' name. Come on, say, in Jesus' name. We have the strongest marriage possible because of how good our God is. Now give God a hand of praise right there. But there's a shift that can happen when you decide to recognize that you are not defeated. You will win whatever situation comes up. But, but here, here, and here, here's the point I want to make today, and we're going to go quickly today. You have a, a dichotomy. You have two voices speaking to you at all times, minimum. Some of you are like, well, I hear a lot more voices than that, preacher. Well, glory to God. You have two voices that are speaking to you at all moments. What we have to do in order to stay on the winning side of things is we have to get to the place where we are literally tuning in our ear to the only voice that matters. The Bible says in Romans 7.15, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. Now that's a confusing way to say it, but the Apostle Paul is saying, I don't understand what I'm doing. I do what I don't want to do, Excuse me, I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, I like to put Paul on a pedestal 
because he wrote approximately 13 more books of the Bible than I did. So I hold him at a pretty high account. Matter of fact, uh, he's also referenced as calling the gospel his gospel. He said, my gospel. On one side, you could go, wait a minute, I thought it was about Jesus. Let me tell you something. When Jesus hits your life, the gospel, which is good news, becomes a very personal thing for you. So the Apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible, yet when he's writing to the Romans, he literally says, I don't know what's wrong with me, guys. I don't do what I know I should do, and I find myself doing what I wish I didn't. Now, since we're in church on Sunday, we won't take our mask off and we'll still act like we're all holy, but... This is the Apostle Paul while he's living for God. Not before he met Jesus. Not a hundred years after he was dead and we can talk about him. uh, Because have you ever been to a funeral and, and you know the person was just stone crazy but when you heard them talk about them you're like, who are they even talking about? Because when somebody crosses over we like to remember all the best stuff about them. And we should. But the Apostle Paul, in the middle of his ministry, in the middle of his circumstance, he lays his heart bare and says, guys, half the time I I don't know what I'm doing because the stuff that I know I should do, I find myself not doing. And at the same time, I do the things that I don't want to do. And... You can hear in the text that it's driving him crazy. That that he doesn't want to be in this uh, place, in, in this place that is caught between two motives. But if we're really honest, sometimes that's where we are. And if we're extremely honest, maybe it's not sometimes, maybe it's a lot of times. And maybe you sit in a pew like this morning or maybe you sit at work and you think, well, I wonder why they don't struggle with this or that. I wonder why they never have these thoughts. I wonder why their issues never come to the forefront. Can I just tell you something? Every single person has skeletons in their closet. Even Paul. And what we like to think is when you say you love Jesus and you want to serve Him, that now no more new skeletons will get in your closet. It is quiet in the library this morning. We like to think that it locks the door and now we'll never mess up again. Well, I have news for you. If you happen to mess up again, you can't put yourself in a position as if you have been discarded. You have to put yourself in a position where the apostle writes and he says, listen, I don't do what I want to do and I do what I hate. But I've still found, and he later writes, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But but, but if we're really honest, it's two major voices. And they're pulling us side to side at all times. As a matter of fact, I'm going to need some help this morning to preach. So, uh, Matthew, would you come up here, please? (laughs) Y'all give Pastor Matthew a hand. Can you stand right here under this light? That's wonderful. And, and, then, and then Brother Brandon, could you come up here, please? Y'all give Brother Brandon a hand. Doing a phenomenal job. 
So you always have these two voices that are speaking to you. They're always pulling on you. They're always reaching out to you and trying to convince you of something. On one hand, you have the enemy of God. You have the devil. You have everything that is represented that is anti-God, which is obviously on this side of the stage. And he never shuts up. Guys, it's not Brandon. Brandon's a, a character. He's an actor. You're going to have to buy him a Starbucks. He never shuts up. He's extremely good at his job. And he's focused on three primary areas. He wants to kill to steal, and to destroy. He wants to kill your hopes, your dreams. He wants to kill your faith. And he would really like to kill you. He wants to destroy your joy, your peace, your understanding of wisdom, and he wants to steal your confidence, your marriage, your money, your relationships, your career. And if we take it out of the cloud level and we put it where the rubber meets the road, he wants to steal your sleep. He wants to steal whether or not you can have positive conversations with your loved ones. He wants to steal your comfort in a room where instead of feeling like you can do all things through Christ Jesus, you feel self-conscious and feel like you can do nothing. And he disguises his voice as your very own. It starts like this. You are hopeless. You are worthless. You were born on the wrong side of the tracks. You were born in the wrong family. You don't have enough. You will never have enough. But the longer you listen to him, it begins to shift from you to he says, you will never make it in life. You will always be a disappointment. And somewhere in the most uh, perplexing manner, it shifts from you are this to now I will never make it in life. I will never succeed in life. I will never overcome in life. I will never receive my healing. That's for somebody else, but it's not for me. And we don't even recognize when it happens, but it comes because he never shuts his mouth. For the rest of your life, you have to know you are in war. You're in a battle. And the Bible says that we do not wrestle against people. We do not wrestle against things. We do not wrestle uh, against, against inst- entities and other humanity. We wrestle against spiritual things. And those spiritual things, we'd like to put them in, and have uh, flowing gowns and robes and fire in the sky and all the other things that we would love to see that would be a visible manifestation of the spiritual things. But what really happens, happens between our ears and right underneath our ribcage. 
We become affected by what he's saying and it all comes down to the fact that we have one choice. We cannot listen to both voices. The Bible says that anybody who is double-minded is unstable in all their ways and they will fall. The Bible says that a kingdom divided against itself will fall, cannot stand. The Bible says literally that God's sheep, Jesus the great shepherd, His sheep know His voice and a stranger's voice we will not follow. But the only way you win in this situation is you have to recognize the voices that are speaking to you are divergent, they are two different kingdoms, they are two different worlds, and you have to tune into the right one and you have to stay focused when you do. Give God a hand of praise just because these guys look so handsome. He is the tempter. He is the one that constantly reminds you of what you used to be. You say, well, I'm not that anymore. That is correct, but he's going to tell you something different. He is the one that will tempt you to do what you used to do, but you have been delivered from, and then he will say something like this, if you were really delivered, you wouldn't be thinking about this right now. That is called temptation. But temptation to sin, listen to this, is not sin. I spent the better part of 20 years repenting for being tempted. I have one of the strongest wills in every direction, meaning uh, I get it from my mom, BT dub. But I didn't need to know the circumstances. I just needed to know which team am I on. Because if you got a problem, come here, Johnny. We'll get everybody up here in a minute. If you got a problem with Johnny, this, this was me 20 years ago until a certain point. Now, if you got a problem with Johnny, you got a problem with me. I don't need to know why you got a problem with Johnny. I just know I've already decided Johnny is my friend. And if Jesus will stick closer to me than a brother, then I'm going to be a friend like Jesus is a friend to me. And I'm going to stick with him. You can sit down, brother. But that's the difference whenever you decide I'm just going to be a bulldog about everything instead of recognizing we've got to get to the place where just because we have something that is baiting us in a given direction, that does not mean that we have missed the mark. That does not mean that you have failed. Now listen, when you fall, if you fall, you get back up, the Bible says. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but we can't get to the place where we stay in a constant state of, I can't believe I did this, I can't believe I did that. You didn't do it. He's trying to remind you of your past. He's trying to remind you of your shortcomings. There's another voice that's constantly speaking other things to you, but we've got to mute this voice and listen to a different voice. He's not just the tempter. And maybe one of his most prominent titles, he's your accuser. He's telling you what you are according to what you've done. When God is telling you who you are according to what His Son has done. He is your accuser. Railing accusations. 
you, you get cut off in traffic and the first five words that come to your mind would have to sound like this if they were shown on television. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 beep. You didn't say them. As soon as you felt it or thought it or sensed it, you said, man, I don't want to be like that. You didn't just sin. You just abstained from sinning. But if you don't know that it was Him that threw the dart, you'll be repenting for what He did. He is the accuser. You would have never, if you were really a Christian, you would have never done that. If you really knew Jesus, I can take you in the Bible where Peter threw a cussing fit and he had been with Jesus for three and a half years. I'm not telling you you should throw a cussing fit on the exact opposite. If you do, don't tell him you go to church here. Just tell him you go somewhere else. I mean, you've already messed up one time. What's a little lie? Just throw it in there. I'm just telling you, just because you know Him doesn't mean you can't hear Him. And we have to dissect what we are hearing and decide if I can put it in the category of killing, stealing, or destroying that is not my Father's voice, and I'm not going to respond. Amen? Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. We're going to get off the devil for a minute. So we have this one voice, but then there's another voice. Can y'all switch? No, I'm just kidding. There's another voice. The voice of the Son of God. And I'll just briefly describe who He is. He is the King of all. He is the Son of Man, which makes it lawful to save you and me. And He's the Son of God, which makes it an eternal ceiling. He is the great physician, more grand, more powerful than any circumstance you could come to in your emotional health or your physical. He is the way, meaning you cannot get to God unless you follow after His way. He is the life. He is the truth. The Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He is the truth that when you find Him, He sets you free of all the things that have held you back. He is the answer to every problem that you have. The Bible says that He is the door that you and I can walk through. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who sticks closer than any family member that you have. He is a friend to the friendless, hope to the hopeless, joy to the sorrowful, peace in the storm. He is the overwhelming, all-consuming picture of love itself. 
Nobody you've ever met or will ever meet can compare to His majesty. Nobody that you've ever met or can uh, 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 compare Him to can compare to His ability to lift you out of the miry clay that you found yourself in. Nobody that you've ever met or could ever compare Him to can ever help you in the way that He can help you. He is overwhelming. He is all-consuming. And maybe one of his greatest titles that we don't talk about as often as we should. He is the mediator between God and man. Seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, constantly making intercession for you and me. Which means if you haven't been in church and, and read uh, from the King James Version of the Bible much, it means that He is the go-between between God and humanity that is constantly speaking on our behalf to His Father in heaven. He is interceding. He never ceases. He never stops. He never gets, gets weary or tired. He, he never gets, uh, uh, he never gets uh, annoyed with you. You may have children or family or relationships and you love them, but sometimes they annoy you. He never gets annoyed with you. The moment you step away from Him, He starts stepping towards you. The moment you find yourself in a place where you're not acting like yourself, He is preparing the party that will happen the moment you come home. He is overwhelming. But the problem is, one voice sounds like a lion roaring. It sounds intimidating. It sounds ferocious. It sounds like it should win. But the other voice, sometimes, most times, almost all the time, it's a still, small voice. But it's steadfast. It's the voice that is encouraging you that you can overcome what is trying to trip you up. It's the voice that is encouraging you not to listen to the cares of the world, not to listen to the things that have plagued you, not to listen to the, the roar that is shouting at you and telling you you cannot succeed, telling you you cannot be healed, telling you your marriage will not be better, telling you your kids will never serve God, telling you your kids are never going to be smart enough, telling your kids are always going to be the bottom of the class, telling you you're never going to have enough money, telling you you're never going to pay your car off, telling you you're never going to pay your credit card off. You can't listen. Listen to that voice no matter how loud he gets. We have to retune to listen to the voice that changes every single circumstance. Because at the end of the day, before this thing is over, before this thing is through, one of these on this stage, can I just say, Brandon is not really the devil, just in case anybody's wondering. 
before it's over, one of these will leave you. If you did everything he asked, he would still be the devil. If you followed every temptation and promise that is plagued with lies that he throws in front of you, before it's over, you will find yourself alone, feeling wrung out like a dish rag, having considered that if I negotiate with these thoughts, with these ideas, I can somehow pacify them. What you cannot do, what you cannot do, you cannot give one inch to the enemy because every time he just wants more. The difference is every time you move in this direction, it's not him wanting more. It's him giving more. The closer you get this side, the more peace you receive. It doesn't mean the storms always go away. It just means your peace, your joy, your love tank is overflowing in the midst of all your circumstances. But regardless of your situation, before it's over, one will leave you. And the way that he will leave you is simple. He goes and he speaks to you and he tells you you're not good enough. He tells you you're never going to make it. He says you're not nice. He says you're arrogant. And then it shifts and you begin to say it. And you say, I'm just not nice. I'm just arrogant. I'm just ashamed. I'm just cynical. I'm just overly critical. And he knows this is not true because when he sees you, he sees Kind of like our Father in Heaven sees. When God looks down from Heaven and sees you, He doesn't see you. He sees you clothed in His Son, Jesus Christ. He sees the Christ in you, so He knows what He's saying is not true. As a matter of fact, everything He says is a lie, and He is the Father of all lies. While He is speaking to you, He knows it's inaccurate, but he doesn't have to believe it to be true. He just has to get you to believe it to be true. And as soon as you do, now you begin to lean in a direction. And while you are leaning, he sinks his hooks in. And it's no more difficult to get back to Christ, but it feels more difficult. We feel like we are so far away that we can't get back. But one of them on this stage will leave you. And it happens like this. He tells you all the problems, all the issues, convinces you of every problem that you have experienced, that every problem you've experienced is your fault. And then you come to a place like the prodigal son and you begin to come to yourself, the Bible says. And instead 
of agreeing or tolerating whatever he says, you begin to, by faith, resist every thought that is contrary to God's Word. Because the Bible is true where it says, God so loved the world He gave His only Son and anybody that will believe on Him will be saved. It's true there. It's true where it says by His stripes we're healed. It's true where it says you can do all things through Christ. And it is also true where it says if you will resist the devil, he will flee. Please go down, Brandon. Thank you. Give Brandon a hand. Now you find yourself. Come stand right here, Matt, please. All alone with the one. He yelled at you and said, I'll be here forever in your ear reminding you of what you've done. You're never going to be enough. You're never going to make it. You're never going to overcome. You're constantly going to be under this. Your self-esteem will always be low. You'll never make enough money. Your boss hates you. You're never good enough. And then one day, even while you are resisting it and you're still hearing it, you're just resisting it. You're just pulling up, according to Ephesians 6, the shield of of faith which is quenching those fiery darts before it's over he leaves the situation and it's just you and him but you still have the remnant of what he said repeating in your mind like a record that was broken I'm never going to be good enough I'm cynical I'm ugly I'm mean I'm hostile I've done things I'm not proud of. I've, I've seen things I wish I could unsee. And the mediator is speaking to his father. While you are saying that, he's saying, Yes, Dad, I know. I saw it too. But they're under my blood. Don't you remember my sacrifice? Don't you remember what I did for them? I understand they don't understand everything. But I'm still here for them. I'm not going to leave them. Dad, if you'll give them one more chance, I will wash them clean again. Dad, if you'll give them one more opportunity, I'll never let them stray again. And the father's going, I don't even see them right now. I see the 99, but where is he? And Jesus says, I'll be right back. And he goes and he leaves all the ones that are nice and cozy in our church house and nice and cozy in our saved families. And he begins to walk through the muck and the mire. And he goes to the highways and the byways. And he says, find me the one that I have lost because I have no interest in losing any of them. It's a shift. Then all of a sudden you make a turn and you look at the eyes of the one and I'm not fixing to stare at your eyes. Your mama is so safe. You look into the eyes of the one. The one that screamed at you. Have you ever seen a lion roar? The one who roared at you accusation after accusation, who threw temptation after temptation, who had no authority to accuse you, but accused you of everything. You turn from him, and you turn back to the one who loves you. 
who has all of the authority to accuse you, yet chooses to intercede on your behalf. And the only thing he asks for is not for you to fix all of your problems, fix all of your circumstances. He will work you through that. What he wants is simply to turn, to repent. The Bible says, the King James says, but to turn from what you were listening to and focus solely and only on what he has to say. Because though everything we've done has earned us the right to be discarded and rightly so, he still chooses us in spite of it. Give God a hand of praise. Thank you, Matt. Stand to your feet. I'm almost done. Religion makes this difficult to understand. Almost impossible to explain. But a relationship makes it instantly clear. No matter who you're in relationship with, just pick the best one in your mind. Your spouse, your mom, your dad. Maybe they're already in heaven. Maybe your best friend. Maybe your brother, your sister, your cousin, your niece. Whatever your best relationship is. When you're in a relationship, sometimes you have to overlook some of the things, maybe shortcomings of the other person. And I know what every guy in here is thinking. My wife ain't got no shortcomings. I agree in Jesus' name. Neither does mine. But if that person who you love so much were to miss the mark, wouldn't you gladly just want them to know how much you care? They don't have to pay for their sins to you. They don't have to, to uh, make everything they've ever done wrong right. Religion makes it this crossword puzzle that you have to have all the right answers in all the right places, but the New Testament it's a greater testament. Not, not because of the time it was written, but because of who it was written about. Without Jesus, the New Testament is just another testament. It's not the better testament. So let's not go back to the Old Testament just because... We want to persecute ourselves when we have found ourselves believing and listening to the voice of the adversary because the moment you do, 
I'm not telling you it's good. But you're in, the, you're in company with the men that wrote the Bible. Just because you slip up, don't grab a hammer and nails and act like you have to do for you what Jesus already did for you. Because as soon as you believe that, you begin to gravitate to it. Because if you'll believe one lie, now he thinks you'll believe the rest of them. And he'll never let you up. No, you just do like Paul does. You go, look, I can't explain it. I wish it wasn't that way. But when somebody cuts me off in traffic occasionally... A bunch of thoughts come to my head that I wish didn't come to my head. When, when my boss walked in and said that and told me I had to do this and this, I already did it the other way. I don't want to redo it again. And I had about 18 different thoughts about them. You're in a place where the redemption of God is at its very highest point because before it's done he leaves you but he never ever will and if you will tune your ear I know it can seem more difficult at times because of how loud he roars and it even sounds like our voice it is the still Small, ever-present, constant, unwavering, unchanging, never shifting, always looking over. It is the still, small voice that has all the authority of heaven associated. And if we consistently listen to that voice, all you can do is win. Give God a hand of praise. Bow your head and close your eyes, please. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I feel like I've been listening to that voice and there's some areas of my life where I feel uh, less confident than I know the Lord would have me feel. I want every head bowed and eye closed, please. I feel less confident than I feel the Lord would have me to feel. I think on my past more often than I wish. I have listened to the voice that sounds like a roaring lion. And it somehow has convinced or tricked me To not listen to the actual lion of the tribe of Judah that maintains that still small voice constantly saying, I know all that and I still want you. I know all that and I still want you. Turn, repent, I still want you. I still want you. I still want you. I still want you. I've listened to the roaring voice and the still small voice has grown uh, uh, dim Not because he has changed, but because for whatever reason I'm not hearing as clearly and I want to hear his voice more than that 
loud, obnoxious accuser. If that's you, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you to the front. And I just want you to lift your hand right now if you want to be included in that prayer. You can put it down after you've lifted it up. Is there anyone else? There's hands all over the building. Is there anyone else? Okay, let's all pray. Church, just as a sign of surrender, let's all lift a hand to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your people would be equipped. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help them shift their receiver, that they would hear the voice of the Lamb and not the voice of the accuser. Lord, of every area of our life, we repent. Anywhere we failed you, we repent. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we would not be focused on our shortcomings, focused on the areas that we've missed it, but Father, that we would focus on the area that your Son sealed the deal. Father, I pray for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit on each person today. Let them know that they are the head and not the tail, that they truly are blessed and they cannot be cursed. Let them know, Lord God, that you, one translation, says that you are our confidence. So everybody that has been struggling with self-esteem or anything in the area of being self-conscious, Father, I just pray that you would show yourself strong and you would be our confidence. You would be uh, our, our bearer of hope and joy. Now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for an elevation of the shield of faith to every believer. That, Father, when those fiery darts come, that we are not convinced, that we are not led aside, led astray, because if He can get us off topic, then now we become slower at accomplishing what You would have us to do, which is reaching the unsaved and the unchurched. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ today, I pray a special blessing, a special blessing on every person that lifted their hand or wanted to lift their hand in the area of hearing Your voice and not the voice of the enemy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give God a big, strong hand of praise.